It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to episode 143 of Five and Dive. It is Friday, June 11th. I'm your host, Craig Goldstein, Editor-in-Chief of Baseball Prospectus. Joining me as my co-host today, Emma Bachelary of Sports Illustrated. Uh, for the first time in a few weeks, Emma, I've missed you. How are you doing? I am good, yeah. It's nice to be back and to, to have a more schedule. Nor- the- Can we just start the whole thing over? I'm sorry. Sure. <laughs> Welcome to episode 143 of Five and Dive. It is Friday, June 11th. I'm your host, Craig Goldstein, Editor-in-Chief of Baseball Prospectus. Joining me as my co-host today, Emma Bachelary of Sports Illustrated. It's been several weeks, Emma. We've missed you. Uh, how's it going? It is pretty good, yeah. It is nice to be back. I finally have a, a more normal schedule again after doing some different stuff for the last couple of weeks and happy to be back here with you. Yeah, have you been able to follow? I know your schedule is taking you away from baseball. Have you been able to uh, maintain connection with the sport, or, or were you uh, more kind of deep diving into other things? Uh, I mean, it, it would be hard not to maintain a, a connection in a week full of sticky stuff, conspiracy theories, <laughs> some weird on-field blunders. Like, this was a good week. Um, it was a good week, yeah. I, I think Rob Manfred would probably disagree with us, but... Uh, <laughs> I had some fun. So, I feel yeah. like he's not getting that much attention. I did appreciate a few of the articles more recently coming out. Uh, I know Brittany Garoli had one in The Athletic, and, and I know there's another one that's not it's not coming to mind who, who and where it was. But um, saying, like, this kind of starts and ends with, with the league and the, the guy in charge of it, which I appreciated. Um, so, yeah, I but I feel like generally, like, the attention's been on the players, and there's culpability there, too, but it seems like he's kind of get Manfred's kind of sliding a little bit more under the radar than I, I, I think he deserves. Um, but that brings us to our first topic. Uh, it's I'm sticking with you, Craig. Uh, it's also maybe the new protocol, me maybe. Jeff put that in there, but given the <laughs> Anthony Rizzo news breaking, we won't get into that right now. Uh, but th- there is no new protocol, me maybe. That's the new... Uh, <laughs> That's the new protocol. That's the old. The old pro- protocol. Me maybe is the new protocol. Me maybe. Uh, we talked about some of the sticky stuff uh, story with Bradford the, earlier this week. Uh, more recently, Pete Alonso uh, went went on the record and uh, just accused the league of changing the ball uh, as, ahead of each free agent class, depending on the composition of said free agent class and who was likely to earn the most money as a way to tamp down on, on salaries. Um, that's, that's a bit of a, I mean, is that just his Florida man coming out or does he have something of a point? I mean, I don't think we have any evidence to suggest that that's the case. And I also think this is a great example of like, never suggest malice when you have incompetence on the table. Um, but I think the larger takeaway for me here is that, like, even though this sounds pretty crazy and 
conspiratorial. Like the point to me wasn't so much that as that the environment right now has the, there's not a lot of trust here. Like, and reasonably so. I mean, when you have something like the ball changing pretty significantly from year to year, people are going to wonder why that's happening. I don't think the league's answers here have been very satisfying. That like a what seems like a pretty significant lack of either quality control or understanding of its own process with Rawlings and what's going on there it is not great if there have been problems with that you know if going back to what's been happening since like 2015 like that of course that's going to wear down trust of course that's going to raise serious questions and that I, I don't think Alonzo is right about this unless he has some like concrete stuff that he wasn't sharing um, but it's also not surprising to me that someone would end up thinking something like that just because in an environment where you don't have a lot of trust on either side and you have significant changes like this happening to the ball and MLB is not really, you know, until this year had not been forthcoming at all about what the ball might look like for the upcoming year. Like, of course, people are going to jump to stuff like that, I think. Yeah, a, a couple points on what you just said. One is, um, well, I, I would say that MLB was not even forthcoming about the ball. They they distributed an internal memo that got leaked. Yeah, fair. <laughs> so certainly not uh, forthcoming. They were they were forthcoming to the teams, I suppose, but not even necessarily the players, and definitely not the public. Um, but beyond that, I think you're right that the the main issue here is is one of trust, right? It's it's the issue is less that this is a viable take. I, I don't think it is. I'll be honest. I asked Rob Arthur uh, to look into it. He said he, he'll check it out. Um, but it do, it doesn't seem likely that this is the case. Uh, and and his, his initial response was like, MLB doesn't really seem competent enough to pull off a, a scheme like this, uh, given their, their prior uh, kind of behavior with the ball and the, the kind of planning it would take to go ahead, you know, ahead with something like this. Because you do have to plan pretty far in advance in terms of when the balls are made and, and how many you need uh, ahead of a, a particular season. And the, the free agent class can change, right? I mean, these guys can sign extensions and things like that. Um, and I'd also note the fact that it's a two-way street, right? Like every class has pitchers and hitters, and I can't imagine how you would um, get a ball that would, even if it's lowering value for hitters, it would be raising value for the right. pitchers. So I... I think there's some holes in uh, even if MLB had there was able to pull this off I'm, I'm not quite sure how it would make sense as an effective salary suppression tool just because you know any benefit you take away from the hitters is then kind of going to the pitchers so yeah I, I think in his in his kind of accusation um which he said is definitely happening by the way uh it was kind of like the top of the free agent class, right? So like this year, this coming year, there's a lot of uh, shortstops hitting the market, like good, good hitting shortstops. Um, and that uh, a deadened ball impacts them more negatively than it does uh, help the pitchers, I guess, lower down in the class. I, I don't know if that's... I mean, like you said, it's a little bit of a zero something. If it hurts some people, it helps others. But there has to be such a clearly defined group at the top that is either pitching or hitting. And I feel like most of the time there's a little bit of a mix of both. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. But like last year, you know, Bauer obviously got like the big contract, but but in terms of average annual value, but 
George Springer got a, a big contract too. I don't know who you were necessarily changing the ball to favor or disfavor in a class like that. You know what I mean? Look, if MLB needs to collude against free agents, they're just going to collude against free agents. Right. Not- well, that's, <laughs> that was that was kind of the third point I was going to go to, and and it's a good one, which is it's it's that. Right. These teams, if they want to tamp down on player salary, they're they're just going to, I don't know, arbitrarily and unnecessarily stick to a luxury tax that doesn't actually damage them that much. Right. Like they're going or they're just going to agree not to spend more, you know, too much on on guys, which they've done before. I, this is. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it needs to go into this conspiracy, but it goes to it goes to trust that not only that Pete Alonso would say this, but to to his statement, a lot of guys think this, and he's the one talking about it. And if a lot of guys think this, it's because things have been so unstable and the trust situation is so bad that it seems, even if unlikely, at least viable in their minds. I don't think it is, but I guess I don't really blame them given how much the ball has changed, which is, which is a bit, uh, which is what you were saying at the end, uh, Emma. I guess the other question here is... I. I've seen a take, I have an opinion on this take, but I, I'm going to open it to you first, uh, that this is uh, a window into the into the CBA negotiations. And if that if if players are here with, you know, where Pete Alonso is with the league and believe that uh, we're never going to have baseball next year um, and that things are worse than we we thought. I mean, I certainly do think it's a window into the level of trust players have right now. Uh, but I don't think that necessarily to me indicates that it's much worse than I thought or anything like we had already seen. Right. Um, I mean, lots of frustration in in lots of ways, which I think is an important point that I think sometimes when you talk about uh, like potential labor disputes, it's just frustration about money. But I think We've seen players have lots of frustrations about the ball, about some of the on-field rule changes, like about feeling that the the league isn't being like a great steward of the game with some of the changes that have been introduced. Um, and obviously, finances are a, a huge thing, the, the primary thing, but there's frustration in a lot of different ways. And this is one of them. Like this to me doesn't, it indicates degree, I guess, but it doesn't indicate anything new to me. And like, I was already thinking that these um, negotiations over the upcoming CBA were going to be pretty contentious, which I obviously uh, am not alone in thinking. And and this didn't really change that for me. Yeah, I certainly, I guess my thought is it's very possible we're not going to have either part of or a full season in 2022 because of the CBA negotiations and how poorly they could go. This between the, the the sticky stuff and and this thought about the you know changing the ball ahead of certain free agent classes, this doesn't strike me as a major component. Honestly, I don't. Th- I I've seen this proposition. I know you know Bradford mentioned like this could be propositioned as a wedge issue, uh, in terms of the union and and the league seeking to take advantage of it. And I've seen a lot of takes that are like, oh, what a uh, what a surprise that they're cracking down on this ahead of a. Uh, a CBA negotiation and it's going to divide players and look I'm open to being wrong about this but I don't it doesn't feel like players are that divided on it like you know Pete Alonso said he doesn't care what what guys use but it's either they don't care or they agree that really as long as everyone's doing the same thing like that's kind of the most important thing 
right? And and that includes like Bauer and Cole, kind of the two figureheads of people right now using sticky stuff. I, historically, it's mostly Bauer. Um, basically said like, yeah, I'll I, like I'll I'll stop using it if other people aren't using it, and that's fine, right? So it doesn't seem like that. I, it, maybe it was an attempt at a wedge issue, but it really just doesn't seem like something that's going to tear the union apart to me. Um, and and so to that point, I don't. I I also just think the league is incompetent, and the reason that they're digging into sticky stuff now is because the offensive environment dropped off because of the change they made to the ball. Right, like this is their fault. They but they just kind of the league, in my opinion, stumbles into these things and then is opportunistic. Right, this is an opportunity to then put something on the players or not take blame themselves or something like that, and they'll take that. But they're not like this. This strikes me much less as a master plan than it does uh, opportunism. It's really interesting to me. Because, uh, so I did a, a short little story this week looking at the when the league really tried to crack down on spitballs um, in the 60s. And this is has so many parallels. It's, it's crazy to me where it was something where obviously the spitball had originally been outlawed in like 1920. Um, but then like guys were obviously still kind of doing it and they didn't really do anything about it. Um, even though in the 60s, they kind of realized like okay there's really no enforcement here it started to get much more popular guys were doing it all the time and the league didn't do anything at first because like who cares but then 1967 you're starting to get up to the year of the pitcher like those trends are all in place the league starts getting nervous like this is helping guys it's not okay we need to crack down on it and there was some of the same stuff because this was right when the union was getting off the ground right when you know Marvin Miller was really starting to step in as Marvin Miller. So it was kind of some of the same conversation around, like, this is dividing, guys. What is this doing? Like, you let us do this for so long, and now you're suddenly cracking down because you're nervous about offense. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and just like this, it, it kind of didn't really work. It kind of did. Instead of b- because they were more careful about monitoring spit, that's when you really started to see guys start to use Vaseline and sunscreen. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, like, kind of creating a, a, a bit of a monster in kind of the same way that we're seeing right now. Right. Right. Jeff, it sounded like you were going to chime in. Yeah, I was just going to say that I think if they manage to somehow split the union a little bit, that's like an added bonus. I don't think they're doing much more than just trying to pass the PR buck and, yes. and pretty successfully because if you look at who's been out in front of this, it's you know, Garrett Cole, it's Josh Donaldson, you know, it's veteran players high up in the union. It's not Rob Manfred. Like, we haven't even gotten an official league statement on this. It's all getting, like, leaked through the usual media sources. Yeah. Like, Rob Manfred needs to have a press conference or whoever is in charge of, you know, I don't know who's currently in charge of, like, rules stuff. I think and it's just, Michael Hill? Yeah, I think that's right. And just, you know, take some questions for a half hour from major reporters and major outlets and explain the and answer the question you know what happened with the baseball this year because they obviously changed it but they don't want to do that because they don't really have to they can put it on the handful of players that are using spider tack and uh, you know know, bradford said this on uh on tuesday earlier this week that there's probably not going to be a huge offensive (laughs) uptick because it's just so few players across the 
league that have really gotten elite spin rate jumps over the entire population of pitchers. So I don't, it, it, you know, maybe they can point to slightly better offensive numbers in the second half or something like that. But I don't, like, again, I think (laughs) to put a bow on it, it just kind of seems like Major League Baseball is incompetent. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, yeah, I don't think this is going to solve the, the offensive issues. That's, that's a change to the ball and, it's a longer term trend around the way offense has been trending, how good pitchers have been. But part of the story of how good pitchers have been is the ability to access this type of stuff. Uh, certainly not every pitcher across the board, but a lot of them and to varying degrees, right? So I do I, I don't think this is going to necessarily address the offensive issue, like I said, but I do think it is it's 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 some to some degree eyewash, but important eyewash to say like, look, we're trying to tackle this thing because if you both have a deadened ball that undercuts offense and and you know takes takes the legs out of offense, uh, and you're letting pitchers get away with whatever they want on the mound in terms of some of these wiffle ball pitches that change you know add several inches of break or or whatever it might be to a breaking ball or or uh, stop a fastball from dropping and so by several inches and that type of thing um it it starts and i think reasonably so would build resentment from hitters and if 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 the public knows about it public resentment i mean i think it's it's fair to try and address it i think it's i also think it's fair for i don't i think rob manfred or and or michael hill need to have that press conference and need to be the public face of how this got to where it was um, I also don't have a problem with players going forward if the league says we're going to start caring about this, uh, just to be clear, uh, if going forward players then get you know punished for continuing to do it, right? I mean, that to me doesn't seem unreasonable. Um, I think if you're going to go retroactive, that to me is kind of – it's kind of missing the point and also making it about the players instead of about actually fixing the problem. I agree with that, and for all those reasons, I don't think we're going to get a press conference like that anytime no, soon. Um, but yes, like in principle, I do agree with that. That is where the attention should be focused here, and that's exactly why they're trying to make sure it's not. And I yeah. think if you look at Manfred's response to some of the sign stealing stuff when he had to have a press conference about it, you probably don't want him to be the public face of this because he's not very good with the media. Piece of metal. <laughs> Yeah, he is uniquely adept, uh, or I mean inept, I'm sorry, at, uh, at, at, I don't know, displaying any sort of uh, connection with what people actually care about in regards to baseball. Um, our second segment, Yo-Ho-Ho and a bottle of, um, we're, we're back. Uh, <laughs> another pirate has a problem with first base. Uh, Cabrian Hayes hit a home run. It was it was uh, down the line. He was absolutely following it down the line with his eyes as he was running towards first. Um, he was trying to make sure it went fair. He steps past the bag just on the other side of first base uh, and continued on. Uh, the Dodgers challenged um, and they they won. He clearly did not touch first base. He was called uh, first base. He was called out. It was a 
a two-run homer that was reduced to one run uh, for the team. They ended up losing by two. Uh, I, I don't really think it matters. Uh, Dodgers had thrown a, a weak uh, or a bad reliever in the ninth inning that they got two solo homers on. But uh, he then was not made available to the press uh, following the game. And there were some complaints about that. Emma, I'm not sure. Dad, did you see those complaints? Were you a party to uh, media Twitter yesterday morning? Uh, I unfortunately was much to my regret. Um, I just can't bring myself to really care about that sort of thing that much. Like, I, I mean, obviously, as Ooh, a reporter. Who gives a shit? I can't. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, I generally support the idea of more access whenever possible. Obviously, I have a vested interest in that as a reporter. I certainly am hoping to see we've seen the league already, you know, take steps toward going somewhat back toward pre-pandemic access with allowing play, uh, media to be on the field and talk to players there. Like, that's yes. great. I would like more. I'd love to see us, you know, get back fully to what was available pre-pandemic. I understand that might not be on the table till next year. Whatever. Sure. Um, this is just like, who cares? It only makes it into a, more of a thing by bringing it up like this. It is not such a huge deal. To, I don't know. This to me, it's like, it's a silly mistake it happens it's not to me something he needs to answer to um and he did answer to it by the way the i think the next day or potentially two days later he did talk about it um just like i who cares it's the self-importance of framing it the way some reporters did was yeah so so yeah i i agree with you i don't think we need to spend too 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 long on it i but i think you're you're you know what you described about access like, you know, getting reporters back on the field. I, I think access is important, um, but it's also not... I view it as something of an overlap between access for the media and an obligation by the player, right? I don't think it's quite always an obligation for a player to, to speak, and I think that can depend on the circumstance. I think this is a circumstance that you don't really need the player to speak, right? He missed first base. What do you want him to say? Like, wh- what is... what? What could possibly change, like, I think you can figure out what happened. He missed the base. He obviously intended to hit the base. Uh, it wasn't like some sort sort of silent protest. Um, there's not more here. Like, it's not, what, what, what was the question going to be? Take me through the process of stepping over the base? It's not like a Will Craig thing, which, like, even that, uh, that one was just so interesting that like you could have legitimate questions about like what was going on there like this is not that at all right right there there was a process question that like you know did you remember that there were two outs but get caught up in it or what you know like that's the kind of this is just like he missed the bit like mistakes happen and sometimes you know that and you can just you can write your story saying like here's the assumption we'll update you when we get a chance like it's not I, I I don't know. I mean, like, it just doesn't seem that important to me. And and you know, to then, by the way, it was a banner week for for media complaints because we had this one, and then um, there there was, I guess, a, a tour in the press box in San Diego uh, with kids taking pictures out of the press box windows. This was like three hours before game time, by the way, and and there was a complaint from a media member about. Um, 
like how am I supposed to do, do my job kind of thing? Like where it's hard to do your job when people are just like infiltrating the press box. And like, I don't know, you took the time to take a picture of them and post it unnecessarily. Little weird. Little weird. Uh, if you have the time to do that, then maybe just like, I don't know, focus on whatever you're writing, dude. It's not that hard. Yeah. I write was... completely distracted every time I write anything. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm doing this with an 11 month old in my lap, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kids one where I, I do understand the impulse because, yeah, teams have gotten less yeah. um, protective of the press box, I guess I would say. In recent years, like you see it in more and more new stadiums, it's further and further away from a a, a good angle, whatever, like less protection of it. And I do think that is like a valid thing for reporters to have gripes about. But this is just like you have to know the idea of taking that picture and calling it an invasion of privacy, particularly at a time when you're in a position to argue for the need for access and I was the, about to say, like your job involves going into someone else's place of work and while they're changing and ask right. them questions. It, it just you have to know that like that is not going to work out. Like maybe there is a way to more discreetly frame that complaint to the team itself, which like I can see. Yeah, actually, like maybe if you'd prefer that tour to be held before the press box is open to media members, I think that would be a fine thing to say to the PR director of, like, making your voice heard, tweeting it, and with that language, like, come on, you have to know how that's going to play, and it's not in your favor. I should be clear, like, if you want to not like it, that's fine. Like, you don't have to like it. I I just think, like, making a public case about it is stupid. You know what I mean? That That's really where I am. Like, if, and again, like you said, if you want to complain to the PR staff, um uh, about you know the the timing or whatever again I, I like i wouldn't personally care but like you might and that's that's you can complain to the to the right person twitter is not the right person no man i work with drunk people and kids around me all the time when i'm at the park so i have very little sympathy here <laughs> right yeah it's a it's a yeah, every everyone's circumstances differ, differ, but like that's kind of, right. I mean, like arguably, like the writers and scouts get like approached by randos at games yes. and just have people asking them questions. These people weren't even bothering the press; they were just taking a picture out of the box. Yeah, it just did bad tweet, bad tweet all around. Uh, our third segment, we're gonna go around the horn. Um, I'm just gonna gonna read these off, Emma, and you you tell me which ones uh, are are worth talking about. Uh, Nick Madrigal has a torn hamstring. He was placed immediately on the 60 day IL. That's that's not going to be good. Um, Luke Williams for the Phillies uh, had a walk off in his debut. Speaking of which, the, the Braves bullpen. I think we just say the Braves at this point, but yeah, the Braves bullpen. Um, the Diamondbacks fired their their two hitting coaches and replaced them with two other hitting coaches. And the Hall of Fame induction was moved to September and will have uh, a limited capacity attendance. Uh, I guess first, Nick Madrigal. This one really uh, made me sad just because, I mean, A, uh, this White Sox team is a lot of fun to watch and I'd like them to be as, as healthy as possible. But also, I had just been... Um, 
I really enjoyed watching him. Like, I thought it was cool that a guy with his hitting profile, I was curious about how that was actually going to adjust to the big leagues if he was going to, ab- to be able to continue to be a, such a contact hitter like he is, especially, like, in this offensive environment. And it was just, like, a, a nice little source of joy that he was able to keep doing it and be who he is and do pretty well with it. And it sucks to, to have him gone for a while. He's kind of the exact player that people want to see right now. Right. Um, two home runs, which honestly I was not expecting uh, at this point in the season. Four triples. Led the league in triples. 17 strikeouts and 200 at-bats uh, against 11 walks. 305, 349, 425. That's a really good player. That's that's 118 OPS plus, um, which I think is right around his DRC plus this year as well. Um, yeah, just it, it's a tough, I mean, a tough loss and a long-term loss for a White Sox team that has already lost quite a bit this year. And I do wonder if this is, this is harder for them to replace to some degree than, than some of their other losses. I don't think You don't he's think as, Danny Mendick and Larry Garcia are going to, uh... <laughs> you know, I thought Larry Garcia might be all right. He's got he's, a 590 OPS. Yeah, it's not been great. Uh, so he's not. I get um, why they're not doing this because I don't think they want to move Moncada back to second now that but he's you want in Jake there. Burger. I want Jake you Burger. Want big yeah. Jake Burger at third I base. want double stack, yeah. <laughs> I I told I told James Fegan, uh the athletic beat writer for the White Sox yesterday, I want Jake Burger at second base. I said I want the big man at the Keystone. He can't play there. That's a joke. Um, I mean but, they put like so you say that and Jarrett and I have like he cannot half play joked there, about Jeffrey. this. It's easier to hide a guy at second than it is at third sometimes Jeff. with positioning. Jeff. Mike Moustakis, he, Craig, is all I'm going to say. Do you want to – And Berger's James, more like a single stack nowadays. He has James, slimmed down. James' reply was, what's the record for torn Achilles? <laughs> Fair enough. There's Jake Berger with his ankles trying to make a double play turn might not be the, the best idea in the world. Yeah. I mean, I think arguably it's not Jake Berger, but maybe – Maybe they throw Jake Lamb out there more, which is not good defensively either. But does he does have an 824 OPS this year? They've been using him very effectively. Uh, that's a 131 OPS plus. Um, I don't using him very effectively does not include playing him every him day. more often. Yeah, well, I agree <laughs> at, at third or more often. I, so what I was going to say though is I think this is harder for them to replace to some degree. Uh, Garcia is already seen a fair amount of time in the outfield. Uh, with Luis uh, Roberts' injury, Adam Engel is back. Um, I he's he's been okay. I well, I don't know. It's 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 eight at bats, but Adam Engel is back. He'll play center field a fair amount now that he's healthy. Um, but you've got Yermin Mercedes who you know backfilled for and Andrew Vaughn who backfilled for Aloy Jimenez. They don't really have Andrew a Vaughn second, at second base. <laughs> I mean, they put him in left field very quickly. Uh, they don't really have someone to backfill that position, you know, and that's I do wonder how that's gonna gonna play out. They just you know depth wise, like you said, Moncada has played middle infield before. Obviously, is much happier at third base, has performed much better at third base, has been performing very well this season, coming mm-hmm. off of a a COVID tainted season, not just last year in general, but he specifically spoke to how how tough it was for him to recover from that. Um, yeah, I, I think this could hurt them in some ways more than those other injuries, even if Madrigal isn't necessarily uh, the same player that, that those guys were, uh, if, if that makes sense. The good news is they are in the AL Central, 
Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, Emma, I don't know if you had any any thoughts on that or, you know, I don't know. Well, I was just going to say before we moved on, going back to, like, Magical himself rather than how they're going to uh, mm-hmm. fill in for him, I had guessed that he was going to be leading the league in lowest three true outcome percentage, but I pulled it up and he is in second. Do you, He has 14% true outcome, three true, true outcome percentage, which is crazy. Do you want to guess who is the only guy with a qualified number of at-bats. Uh, uh, SDDO probably doesn't have enough, does he? No. Is it your mean Mercedes? No, he hits too many home runs. I was going to say, my, the, the guy that comes to my head, and I know it's wrong because he walks a lot, is Jake Cronenworth, who also is an incredible contact guy. He is 13. So that's okay, still so like... It's, you know, yeah, in the top 15. Um, right. I, yeah, I'm not going to get it. It is Kevin Newman... Who? Oh wow! Has a 38 WRC plus, um, <laughs> and is still starting. I cannot. I'm like a god. I, I so, have to admit, I don't watch the Pirates a lot. Um, not to betray much there, and uh, yeah, this is incredible. Yeah. So oh oh. So the other thing that the 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 White Sox lost, by the way, was Billy Hamilton was getting like every day at oh, bats yeah. until he was hurt. Uh, easily gone and easily forgotten. Uh, he's only on the 10-day IL, at least. Um, but speaking of the Pirates, I did want to say, like, this strikes me as Adam Frazier trade territory. Adam Frazier is, I don't know if you know this, Emma, since you don't watch them, he's leading the league in batting average. Uh, he's been insanely good. Uh, he can play second base. He can play all over, and they kind of need that depth. Um I'm I'm putting on the record. I think the White Sox should trade for for Adam Frazier, who's currently in 329. Oh, I guess he's not leading the league right now, but 329, 391, 471, uh, with the lead league uh, league leading even 22 doubles and 79 hits. Well, while I have this leaderboard up, yeah. he is fifth on the three true outcome percentage. He's one of only five players uh, to be below 20. percent So that would be a very apt. Uh, Nick replacement swap. yeah yes. i like that okay i think we've uh i think we've accomplished yeah. something there um okay so any any of these other around the horn categories were uh, worth our time the, the diamondbacks i was yeah uh, i agree they needed to make a change i was really surprised to see it come from the hitting side and not <laughs> the pitching they, staff. they've been bad all over <laughs> i mean they have been bad all over but their pitching has been much worse than their hitting and so I yeah. was uh, confused, uh, maybe confused isn't the right word, but I, I was a little surprised that that was the change they decided to make, which again, they have been bad all over. Like they'd be justified in making bigger changes than this. Um, and I mean, it's true the pitching staff has had a, a lot of injuries. Like, so I'm sure that's in their thinking that it's not just performance of, you know, th- who they thought they'd have. It's the fact that they've had so many guys out. But yeah, that was a little weird to me. Yeah, I I think it was. I was a little surprised they. Fi- I mean, I don't know. I guess this is just what teams do. But they fired both hitting instructors and then also replaced both of them. And I don't know. It just feels like moving, like like moving uh, deck chairs around on the Titanic. Like yeah. they've been the worst team in the league. They're absolutely atrocious on the road. Um, I don't remember the exact. I think they're like three and seventeen in their last twenty games on the road. Something they like that. They lost nineteen straight. 19, 19, they're okay. So they're oh, and they were outscored 100 to 40 in those 19 games. Yeah, I just, they, like, this isn't going to do it, guys. Like, I don't know, I guess, like, what the, what's the point? Right. 
What's the point? Yeah. And also, like, Cattell Marte has been really good throughout when he's healthy. Um, and so, like, they're going to trade him, I feel like. And it's just going to get worse. Um, but I wanted to specifically bring up, I really enjoyed, you You wrote about this a little bit, which is probably why you had those stats uh, handy. But the 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 their Twitter account and, like, the way that they've coped with these losses, on especially on the road, right? Um, I, I thought was fantastic. I just, I've actually wanted to do a, a bigger story for a while talking to social media managers about how, of, of like really bad teams, like not just teams that happen to Detroit lose, and, and Miami are the ones that stand out to me, uh, in the last few years, not, not this year specifically, Yeah, but that and, they've had like, look, a puppy or whatever. And then it's like the score in the bottom right hand corner. Right. Cause I feel like it's a very thin line to walk between yeah yeah because i feel like and i feel like you have to know your fan base because i guess if you're a fan base maybe a little more accustomed like your identity is losing um you know they're a little more likely to play along with like yeah like we can take a meme now like this is fun to just make fun of versus some fan bases like you'll look in the comments there was also the braves thing where they had the tiger woods meme oh yeah i actually liked that one yeah, I liked it. Was it. Just, it was like a very community rally type thing. Well, right. it was, yeah, it was like mostly not the Braves account, but they also played into it. And like yeah. other teams played into it when they lost uh, to the Braves. They would be like, okay, like we're ready or something. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm interrupting. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. But anyways, I've kind of been interested in this for a while just because it seems like such a... It's such a tricky balance to strike, right? Of like you have to share every day that this team is losing and you know that you're going to you're talking directly to fans who have feelings about it. And how do you do that? And um, yeah, right now the Diamondbacks are, are not really having fun with memes. There aren't any jokes. It's just these like very sad, short messages um, that, yeah, I'd put some of them in the article. It was like of their most recent road trip where of course they got, you know, swept in two different series because that's all they've been doing on the road lately. It was like it, the first game they were like back at it again tomorrow. Like there's a little note of hope there that like, you know, and tomorrow's another It's kind of like and, soldiering on. Yeah. You know, like and then that just disappears. Where then it's just like final. Sigh. Tough one. <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I really liked Sigh. Like we're just, we're down here. They also, lo- didn't they lose a game with. Speaking of Marte, like, he caught the ball, then hit the wall, then his glove, like, moved behind him and it popped out, and Replay reviewed it as not a catch, even though it was a catch, and they, like, lost that, in- you know, they gave up more runs that inning and lost yeah, okay. one or something like that. That call, yes, that, well, they ended up... That was up, a catch. It, that wasn't a catch. It I wasn't? was surprised that it was so, so controversial if you... I, I, I only like, saw it. I only saw it in slow mo. So I, I think that was part of it. Well, the thing is, and part of this maybe was that like I, for some reason, was watching that game live. Um, oh, it was because it was the only game on. It was the only game on. It was it was like a three p.m. start. Um, so I was watching it live, and like they referred to the rule book and everything. It's like you have to have control of the ball, and I actually didn't realize this. The wording of the rule has like you have to release the ball of your own volition. Um, oh, so like in of, a transfer, yeah, and he clearly uh-huh. didn't. Like, he no, 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 it's behind it, his back, he's not ran trying. into the wall yeah. and then just drops it. So, like, it was not a catch, but I, I think there it, was a football move. 
kind of yeah i don't know it it also it was a bizarrely long review like it it they took forever on it when it seemed like it should be like i don't know whatever um this is too much to talk about the diamondbacks i think fair enough and i'm getting i'm getting sad myself uh <laughs> any thoughts on the the hall of fame induction ceremony moving to september uh will have limited capacity I actually think this is a smart move. Uh, I think they should do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not the limited capacity part, but <laughs> I've never really understood. It's like right after the trade deadline in normal years. Or right around it. Right, or right yeah. before. Like, why are you combining these? Yeah. It's really I think strange. I saw Jay Jaffe talk about this and say, like, like, why are you not spacing out events on the baseball calendar? And I completely agree. Yeah. And I also saw, I believe it was Joel Sherman who tweeted... It, oh, I, mean, I think maybe it was him. That's That might have been oh, who it was. Well, no, Joel Sherman had the point that, um, I mean, this is an event where a lot of elderly people are asked to sit outside in the sun. Yes. For, yeah. Because, like, you know, so many former or previously inducted Hall of Famers come, which is cool and it makes for a great environment, I've heard. But, yeah, why when you have, like, the, the baseball event with the average oldest age and it takes place entirely outside, why do you do it in July or August? Like In, yes. in northern New York. <laughs> right. So I, I think that this is a cool change, and I would welcome it going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on it as well. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with our last two segments. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back with episode 143 of Five and Dive, and we have a thanks I hate it. Uh, I think you'll know how, well, either Jeff or I, it's actually both of us, come out on this. I, don't, I hadn't talked to you about the, the Cubs city uniforms. Uh, your, your thoughts on them. Are, are they a thanks I hate it? Uh, yeah, I hate them. Okay. Uh, I guess I would also say, like, they're not quite interesting enough to really hate. Like, they're just so Well, that's kind boring. of what I hate. Okay, That's kind yeah. of what I hate about them. They have no... It's just bland, right? Like, I don't actually think they look bad. I don't think they're hideous. I think they're... Bo- like, this is what you came up with for a city uniform? It's also... The White Sox ones were so cool. I thought... Um... So Jeff and I talked about those. My thought on those were also that they were not adventurous at all, but they really hit their mark. I think they like looked they... like a major league uniform instead of a double A road uniform. Yeah, yeah, and Jeff is specifically he sent me yesterday it's literally I, I, the Trenton Thunders. Yeah, all, Jeff, you like... should you should send it to Emma while we're yeah. talking. It's lit- like it is the same color scheme and not not font, but like it's it's legitimately an alternate road uniform for Trenton is very similar to this. Yeah, and I, I just th- think you got to do something like the White Sox looked like a different version of a White Sox uniform, right? Like, I don't think it was adventurous, but it, it, it did what it was supposed to do, which I said at the time, and I'll, I'll reiterate now, Clinton Yates said it's, it's 
going to sell uniforms, right? And it will because it's, you know, it did what it was supposed to do. This is, this is like some, some pre-Brown Padres uniform styling. Like it's not good. Yeah, you're right. It has like the, the color team is just, yeah, don't like it at all. So I don't mind the blues, but like, I just don't know why this is like, this was the city and they kept saying it like represented all 77 neighborhoods or whatever. And I don't, they didn't explain that at all. Um, I, I just like Jeff and I recently got into an argument about the Rays uniforms when they wear the throwbacks, the devil rays. Um, I think they're butt ugly. I don't. I love the throwbacks. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, I am serious. So. What I will appreciate and what I don't like about these Cubs u- Cubs uniforms is that I don't think that they have any perspective. Like, they're not they're not trying to be... It's just, like, boring and bland, as I keep saying. Say what uh, you will about the Boston Red Sox city jerseys, dude. At least it's an ethos. Right. Exactly. That's basically the thing, right? Like, this... I, I, I find the, the Devil Ray Starbucks ugly... But I understand that they are there's something different, right? Like they're they're out there with a perspective. I just it's not it doesn't hit for me aesthetically. Well, if if you want a little context, I'm going to read one fantastic sentence from okay. MLB.com's announcement of these uniforms because I, I googled it because I wanted to know more about how do they represent the 77 neighborhoods. Sure. And the MLB.com article did not really answer that question, but it does include this sentence quote. The dark blue jersey tops are paired with dark blue pants, perhaps a nod to the Cubs' 1911 to 1913 road uniforms. End quote. Per- perhaps? perhaps. Which I just We couldn't find that out? <laughs> and also, if it was a nod to the 1911 road uniform... We'd uh, all pick that why? up immediately, wouldn't right, we? Right, like, what, like what, what does that even mean? I personally have been obsessed with the Cubs' 1911 to 1913 road uniforms. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I think what this, and, and like what I think we've talked about the, the Marlins city uniforms, just like, it was both like, it went for something and executed it. You know what I mean? Uh, in my opinion, the Rays went for something and it doesn't work, but that's fine. And again, that's not, that's their throwbacks, not their city, uh, uniforms, but like, it doesn't work for me, but other people like it, obviously. Um, but like this didn't even go for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I would have and to that, agree. That's, that's what bothers me. Um, okay. Last segment. What are you watching this weekend? Um, I think I have to go with Padres and Mets because it's the most interesting combo of teams. I think obviously tonight you have DeGrom with like Snell has kind of, uh, depressed me to watch lately. But mm-hmm. that's still something of an interesting matchup, and just like the the vibe of those teams, I think is a is a. You also had like seven one hit innings against this Mets lineup last time out. Yeah, so maybe Snell this is what it's seven one hit innings. That so, yeah, he right. carved up the Mets last week. Seven just sounds wrong. I don't think he's thrown seven innings in like. Constitution. Oh shit! Not he allowed. did. I t- I watched <laughs> oh the game, God. Craig. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought there would be a lot more attention around this. It's the first... He'd only thrown six innings once in, like, the last five years. <laughs> yes. That's overstating it. I yeah, understand. Yeah. <laughs> but the last three years, arguably. Uh, anyway. Um, I, I will go with uh, Red Sox-Blue Jays. I think... Uh, I tweeted this yesterday night, 
Uh, Red Sox fans are having fun again, and I don't care for it. But the it's team not is... not what you want. Yeah, it's not what you want. But the team is... Um, it's lively, kind of. It's not dreary, and the Jays are always fun. Uh, my, Jeff put this in. It's Martin the best Perez, pitching Robbie matchup. Ray, question mark. It's the best pitching matchup that's listed so far. No, so. I know. Martin Perez has been good, and I Robbie know. Ray has been really good. Uh, he also wears his pants insanely tightly. So there's there's a little bit something for everybody there. I, I would uh, say I the like one see... good thing about the Red Sox being good is we get the uh, we get a different twist on the John Taylor Ben Affleck photos than we've been getting in the past. So. <laughs> the entire honestly, that whole run is one of the highlights of 2021, the 2021 season. I think the yeah. good and the bad. But Emma, Thank sorry, you. Go ahead. oh no. Speaking of Robbie Ray and his pants, I feel like we've seen a big movement towards yes. tighter pants for pitchers. Yes. I, I'm not sure if this was a... I feel like Walker Bueller was the first one to really get on the radar for it, but now it seems like so many guys are doing it, and I would love to see someone investigate that. Like, what is driving yeah. the tight pants movement of pitchers? Well, I and I think Bueller might have started... I, I mean, maybe this is, this is just a wrong attribution, but I, I think, you know, like, there was that whole investigation into Kike Hernandez... Uh, and is uh, someone wrote like a, a legitimate paper uh, on Kike Hernandez and how he performed based on the bagginess of his pants um, a couple years ago? I don't know if you are familiar. I did not know that. Like oh a yeah, research I'll, paper, I'll try and, like I analysis? think it was maybe for school, but yeah, like they they wrote like a legitimate analysis, and he performed much better the tighter his pants were. Um, and I think Bueller and and I don't know if like the Dodgers Gavin Lux also wears like spray painted on pants. Um, so it's definitely been like a Dodgers thing over the last couple seasons, I think, two or three seasons. Uh, but I'm happy to see it going elsewhere. And yeah, I think uh, I think it's kind of like a revival of the short shorts in basketball. Uh, I'm yeah. here for it. I'm here for it. I think uh, not only should we be doing more analysis this way, but also that um, just I, I like I like more uh, diversity in in the bagginess of pants. So yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, that's as good a way as any to, to, to end the podcast. Can't top that. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Emma, for, for co-hosting this episode. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on another episode of Five and Dive, brought to you by the Baseball Perspectives Podcast Network and our Patreon supporters. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash fiveanddive. You can email the show at fiveanddive at baseballperspectives.com. We are wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Baseball Perspectives Podcast Network, and we'll be in that feed. Thank you again. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.